0: Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. Joined as usual by Kuka Hill. You can find him on Twitter at Kuka Hill NBA. Uh, he is the site expert, editor-in-chief of PistonPower.com. And today, once again, we're joined by another special guest. We have James Edwards with us, who is, of course, the Pistons beat writer for The Athletic in Detroit. You can find him on Twitter at J L Edwards. The third, So J.L. Edwards, and then I'm assuming that's three eyes at the end of yep, your handle.
1: It is. It, right. is, it is. I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Yeah, we we're, we appreciate you being willing to come on with us. Very much appreciated. Um, so we'll hop right into it. We're going to kind of go through cl- chronological order of off-season stuff. Um, so starting with uh, the Tony Snell trade, of course, the Pistons traded. Um, John Lure for Tony Snell, and they also got back a second-round pick in that. Um, kind of came out of the blue for a lot of people. Obviously, the Pistons were probably interested in trading um, John lure for some time, kind of dead money there. But just sort of what did you think of that move and what Tony Snell can bring to the team?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a great trade. and it, I know you said second round, but it was, I mean, it was a first round. Oh, um, so you get, you get Snell, um, a rotation piece if not a starter uh, for a guy that was your third center. Um, Obviously, there was not much of a need for John Luehr in Detroit, and they were able to turn that into a additional one that kind of addresses two needs, um, size on the perimeter and three-point shooting. Uh, And then Cherry on top is the the first-round pick, which they obviously turned into a second-rounder or future second-rounders. I I think, though, and I know everybody was up in arms when they didn't pick at 30. The big thing there was to get a guy that you can put into your rotation or, or start um for a guy that that didn't play for you
0: and then um i, I suppose they are getting a little out of order here but so would you say that even after the draft and free agency and stuff would you say you'd still expect tony snell to be the at least sort of going into training camp and such be the expected starter at the small forward
2: spot
1: yeah, I, I expect that. I haven't heard that to be fact. Um, but, I mean, just with what we know, with what Dwayne uh, wants at the position, he talked. we talked to him yesterday in Vegas, and he was talking about the just the excitement and how much different the team's going to look just with the length around uh, the, the guards and the size on the three-point line now. Um, I would imagine that, that Snell starts uh, because while Wayne was effective in his role um, as a shooter – uh his defense his defensive deficiency showed because he had to guard a lot of threes and um, he had a tough time guarding uh on the perimeter specifically so i I imagine that that snell it's his job to lose early on uh but time will tell
0: and i mean once again a little out of order here but so obviously they signed markeith morris for the biannual exception um he's pretty much been a power forward his entire career but he's always been a guy who can at least switch a little bit up to the small forward spot. Um, yeah. Do you think that there's much chance that he sees real time at the small forward spot, or are they going to pretty much use him as a big?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to use him as a big. Um, I know people that aren't too familiar with Markee's game think Mar- think he's Marcus, and Marcus is more of a true small forward. Um, Markeef is more of a power forward, especially in today's game. and um, It gives him a guy that... A little more confidence um, coming off the bench maybe right now than Thon uh, a little bit more scrappy a little more physical a better shooter uh, veteran obviously he's been in the league for a little bit now um, I think he's a guy that they like if fits Detroit's culture and he is a guy that you can kind of plug in next to Blake or next to Andre um, and still not really lose too much on the defensive end um, except obviously when he when he's when Andre's out if it's Blake and Marquis you lose a little bit but if it's Andre and uh, Markeith, you, you don't really lose much defensively. You might even get a little bit better. So he's a guy you can throw out there. He's versatile. He can play small ball five. Um, just a, just one of the players uh, – he's going to fit a role that the Pistons really didn't have, um, or at least one they couldn't really rely upon uh, last year as a, a, a small ball five um, and a, a veteran power forward.
0: And then sort of connected to that is um... – so I know you have said that you think that the Pistons are going to sign um, a third big yet, which is plausible. But depending on who that is, could vary some things. Do you think that they're pretty much planning on whoever they sign as that sort of third proper center? That guy's going to play those minutes, or do you think that they're going to try and go into the season with essentially their backup front court being Thon and Markeef? So Thon would probably be the nominal center in that in that combination, but. Do you think that that's something that they're thinking they're going to go with? Or are they kind of going to try and get a proper center to put in there?
1: Yeah, I have a very good hunch just talking to people. And I haven't been able to get it confirmed that they're going to try to, to get go get another uh, another piece. And I would imagine that's going to be a center. Um, I, Markeith, yeah, he's, he was signed using the biannual exception. Um, that does not mean that they gave him all the 3.6. So there still could be room there. Uh, to sign a, a, a center uh, using the rest of it, which I think they're going to do. Now, how it shakes out if they're going to get somebody that they think can be a true backup, um, then uh, th- that's a possibility if that person's still out there. JaVel McGee's still out there. Um, you know, blinking on some names, but there's a couple people out there. Uh, I don't know if, how they want to go forward with Thon next season. I don't know if he's out of the, the plans in terms of rotation. Uh, it's shaping up to look like that, especially if they sign a, uh, a true center that's got some experience, a la, again, JaVale McGee. But I don't know exactly who they're targeting um, at that position, aside from, again, JaVale McGee. But I, I don't know if they have a backup plan um, if they lose out on him.
0: Okay. Um, so, then, so sort of backtrack then. With that second, or well, I suppose technically it was the last pick of the first round, so they traded back. We talked with Rod a little bit about this last week. But one of the main things that that tells me is that because this is a second year, so this front office has obviously had two drafts. And yeah. in each of the drafts, they have traded around to get a specific guy in the second round. Um, last year they did that to get Kyrie Thomas. And then this year they initially trade back from the 30th pick, and then they trade forward again in order to get um, – Davidus Civitas, I think I pronounced that right. That's how Rod told us to pronounce it. But yeah, that was good. would you say that that's sort of an accurate representation that they pretty clearly they decide that there are guys that they think are sort of worthwhile at a certain pick and they've got their guys and then they're not afraid to go and get them, even in the second round of a purportedly at least, not that strong draft.
1: Yeah, I think you said it right. I think that they target guys they like and they're not afraid to get them. I don't think Um, they traded up to 37 out of uh, necessarily because they thought that he would go right somewhere around them. Um, I think the opportunity somebody Dallas called um, an opportunity for a trade presented itself and all but assured that they'd be able to get that guy there. Um, Kind of the, the chips fell in their favor to where they could move up to 37. I'm sure they felt Savitas could go at some point. Um, earlier than they were supposed to pick at 45. And uh, they jumped on it, still had, got an extra second round pick out of it. Once they flipped everything that uh, they got to move up. And uh, yeah, they got a guy that I know that they're, they're excited about it might take some years, but that kid just turned 19 years old. So, um, and then to, to go off that even a little further, um, this is a team that can't really afford to have so many young guys on the roster. Um, so what they did in the second round is they, they stockpiled some assets in terms of picks, got a young guy they really like that they can stash and don't have to have under contract. And then Jordan Bone, um, who you could sign to a two-way, and you don't, he doesn't count as part of the salary cap. So they were really able to get young guys under team control uh, but still be able to have, uh, while limited, still have the flexibility to add to their main roster.
0: Yeah, and um, that's something we brought up too before is that with the, uh, the fact that they had so many young guys, if they had signed everybody, they would have, what, eight or nine guys on the roster that are all on rookie contracts, which for a team that has at least hypothetical aspirations to try and you know win some basketball games, that's a lot of young players. And so right. it makes extra sense that they go for a guy that, now he may not end up actually being stashed overseas necessarily, but makes sense that they go for a couple guys that they maybe don't need to bring onto the roster right away.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I, like you said, they have Thon, Luke, Kyrie, Bruce, Fee, uh, Sekou right there. Those are all a whole bunch of young guys with three years or less of experience. Not even, yeah, three years or less of experience. So, um, for a team trying to make the playoffs, you can't have a roster where almost 50% is young guys. Uh, and that's why to me, it, if they would have signed the person, if they would have drafted at 30 and kept that person, that would have guaranteed money. So again, it doesn't make much sense for them, especially because they're trying to make the playoffs. Um, There isn't enough room really for these young guys, these new young guys outside of Seiku to develop because they got guys on the roster already that they need to see what they are about. Um, So the move to me made sense. I know people were up in arms because names like Kevin Porter Jr. were still on the board and, and Carson Edwards. But again, they would have to pay those guys um, and they would eat up another roster spot, uh, for uh, a young guy.
0: Okay, and then Koo, I've kind of been doing all the talking. If you want to get in a couple questions here, you can go right ahead. Yeah,
1: I got.
2: Yeah, I was just waiting for you to be done. Uh, real quick, thank you, James, again for being on. Um, I just wanted to. Uh, you kind of spoke on it, and since this this kind of happened as we started the pod, um. I know everyone's heard. I already see a couple people tweeting about it in Pistons Twitter, so I might as well get this out out the way. Do you think that since Dwight Howard was just twa- traded and he's released now from the the Grizzlies, do you think that that could be an option for the vet men with the Pistons?
1: Um, I don't think so. Uh, I I think Dwight uh, isn't really. I think they want a little bit more security there. If they went and got a center, a guy that they can maybe are a little bit more confident in, can produce and stay on the floor. Um, Dwight is, from the last few years, as, as you guys know, is not that person anymore. Um, it, I, I would think that they look elsewhere. I, I wouldn't say 100% as the, as fact that they wouldn't go after him. I haven't asked anybody about it yet, but I just get the hunch that that's not the type of the guy that they want to bring in.
2: Okay, and uh, next thing I want to ask, um, obviously, I think you probably know about Derrick Rose fans. signed Derrick Rose to a two-year, $15 million deal, but uh, I know Rose already
1: getting worried that I'm going to go crazy with this about Derrick, but it's really not going to be about Derrick, my question. Um, Yo, Koo, your Twitter. mic is
0: going haywire right now, bro. <laughs> yeah,
1: I didn't know if that was my computer. Yeah, yeah, No, I, that
0: was Koo. Koo, say okay. something again now. <laughs> He may have just died a second. Oh, Coop, yeah, say something.
1: Suffering.
0: Hello. Yeah, you're good. Okay, go for it, Coop.
2: Okay. All right. Sorry about that. But, uh, the qu- the question I had was, they signed Derrick Rose to a two year, fifteen million dollar deal. When it first happened, there was a few people inside of Pistons Twitter that were saying, "Oh, we may have overpaid for that. I don't know how I feel about that. We're paying for a guy who, you know, has an injury history, can't really make it through a full season. We're giving him this money. I don't know how I feel about that. We could have waited. Blah blah blah." But as the free agency markets went on, you've had names like Corey Joseph signed for 12 million a year, Patrick Beverly signed for three three year, $40 million. Then you had Alfred Payton getting paid more than Derrick Rose is on $8 million contract. So as free agencies played out, you got the Pistons were able to pull off Derrick Rose at seven and a half million. And then they, uh, with the remaining money, they were able to get Markeith which was, I don't think any of us saw him coming. I didn't hear him. in any kind of rumors or like targets I haven't I didn't read anything about that kind of came out of the blue so my question is how do you think do you think the Pistons have like done a real good job in free agency I think that this was actually I think they've done a really good job so far I mean I didn't see like I said I didn't see Morris coming and as the days went on Rose's deal looks more and more like it was appropriate value and now that you got to pay Rose at the the contract you did, you were able to go get someone like Marquise Morris for a position at Power Forward where you needed size desperately at the backup position?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think they've, they've done a great job this offseason. I say that because I know what they wanted to accomplish going into the offseason um, and they went in and accomplished it. I mean, to turn um, twelve million dollar, a little over $12 million in cap space um, and John Luehr into Tony Snell, a potential starter, Markeith Morris, a rotation guy, Derrick Rose, a rotation guy, um, and uh, insurance and uh, Frazier, Tim Frasier, I think that's a they, – they got more versatile um, with Markeith, Tony, um, those are guys that, can, that are long, can play multiple positions. Um, they got a backup point guard in Derrick Rose, and while the money um, – I have no issue with the money. I mean, he's – Derrick Rose at his best, the new version of Derrick Rose, not MVP Derrick Rose, which we saw last year. Derrick Rose at his best is, I would say, is better than Ish Smith, and he's only making a million and a half more. Um, the Pistons desperately needed creation on the on the at the guard position. They needed guys, more guys that could go get their get a bucket. Um, and Derrick Rose, if he can stay on the floor, and from what we saw last year, is I mean that's what Derrick Rose does. So I think they went into the off season with the plan. Um, I think they've checked off all the boxes on that plan, and this is kind of what goes into the the tank or not tank argument um, when people are saying are they doing a good job or not? I, I only base if they're doing a good job on what were the clear needs that they needed for their goal? Their goal is to make the playoffs. What did they need to address? They needed size, they needed scoring, um, and they needed versatility, and they got all three of those things this off season. So, um, I chalk it up as a W. I'm going to write about that actually for, for Monday. Um, I think they've done a, a really good job on limited uh, funds and limited assets and resources to make this team better.
2: Okay. Um, another question real quick. Uh, staying on the topic of Derrick Rose real quick. I know that's killing you, Joe, but uh, I, wrote, I just wrote an article about Derrick Rose. I wrote about why... Uh, why um, I believe he was the correct signing for the Pistons. And there was one point There was one uh, point I brought up in this article that I really wanted to ask you. I wanted to know if you think I'm off base in this or you think that I'm placing too much confidence or too much value into it. But let me, let me get what you think about this. Uh, last year, we had Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson on the team, both players injury prone. Uh, Blake hadn't played over 70 games since 2014. We had just witnessed Reggie. Uh, We just witnessed the Pistons season get ruined the past two seasons because of freak accidents to Reggie's ankle, knee, et cetera. And he, I don't know how many games he missed, but he missed like almost half the season, both seasons. And then last year we had Arnie Cantor come back, I believe a consultant role, I believe. And you have Blake Griffin playing 75 games, most since 2014. You have Reggie Jackson play in all 82 regular season games and four playoff games that combined for 86 games. Uh, I thought that, obviously, with Derrick Rose's injury history, you have to have a belief that if you're going to sign Derrick Rose, you have to have a, a level of belief in your trading staff that can keep him healthy. Because me personally, I believe that talent-wise, based off last year's play, Derrick Rose could probably talent-wise match up with match up uh, as a bottom, like a top 30 point guard, I believe, it was talent-wise, if he could stay healthy. But the, all, the big problem, obviously, is he can, never can stay healthy. Pistons, I believe the Pistons obviously had to have some kind of level of confidence in the fact that we have Arnie Kander. He was a, he's, there was an article in 2009 about he's the best trainer ever. There's, he worked miracles last year with Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin. I believe that they had to have some kind of confidence in the fact that, hey, we have Arnie Kander. And if there's anybody who could keep Rose healthy throughout the whole season, keep him upright it would be Arnie Kander. Do you think that played anything into them signing Derek pros? do you think I'm putting too
1: much into that? No, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Arnie, um, yeah, he's still in the consultant role and a guy that worked closely with Reggie Jackson. They also got a new uh, day-to-day trainer in Bernard Condevo. Um, I think that's how you say Bernard's last name, um, who was has been talked about highly around the organization as well. Um, i i think that definitely plays a part into it i know that they believe that rose if he can stay healthy is probably one of the best backup point guards in the league um and now they have the task ahead of them of pacing him uh, making sure they're doing the the correct whatever it be stretches exercises blah 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 to make sure he can play Um, but pacing him is going to be important Uh, reggie jackson coming back healthy Long as long as there's not another freak accident, it seems like the knee tendonitis is behind him, um, and he should be he should be good. And uh, you just kind of if you're the Pistons, you hope that you can get close to eighty games from Reggie again. You hope that you can get sixty-five from D Rose, um, and Tim Frazier to play spot minutes and, and spot games for, in those in those instances. And I, I think that helps them a lot. Rose again is is the creator. He's a playmaker. He's a scorer team desperately needed that and um for them to get somebody who has the ability to go get their own bucket just makes them a little bit more dynamic in the end of games um and it gives Dwayne Casey more options at the end of games um you know you, you guys know he liked to ride the hot hand at point guard and sometimes it was Ish Schmidt sometimes it was Reggie Jackson uh I think we all agree that Derrick Rhodes is a better scorer than Ish Schmidt so um I think that the possibilities of what they can do um, really hinge on Derek Rose's health. And that's a big that's a big question and a big if. Uh, but it seems like there's a lot of trust in Arnie and Bernard. And if they continue to show that they uh, they know what they're doing in terms of pacing guys and, and getting them ready for a grueling schedule, I think the Pistons will be in pretty good shape.
2: And I just have one more question, Joe, and you can go back but, um you kind of hit on it earlier with joe i just want to get uh a one to ten fear fact how much how scared you are on a scale of one to ten uh how worried about are you about thon playing heavy minutes at backup center
1: uh i mean i'm not worried uh do i think it's a good idea probably not Uh, i saw thon for a second about a week or two ago he does look a little bit bigger um the guy plays hard. I'll give him that. Like, he's going to get in there. He's going to scrap for rebounds. He's going to get blocked shots. If he can come back and shoot 34%, 35% from three, I, I think it might be a little bit better of an option than most people think. Um, it opens up the floor a lot. Um, and he's shown that he can block shots and be disruptive in the paint. Um, I, I I don't think that time is next season, though. Uh, I, I do think they need to bring somebody in there um, to kind of – Maybe you give Don a chance at that position, but you have somebody ready in case it does not work out. I, I, I don't see him as a backup center yet. I don't see him as a center yet. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that, if that day ever comes.
2: All right, go ahead, Joe.
1: Okay,
0: so you don't have a ton of time left with us here, but there is one big question that I want to make sure we hit on, and that is, um, so as you said earlier, Tony Snell is at least presumed to be that the starting small forward spot is his to lose. Then the other three spots, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drum, Blake Griffin are pretty solidified. Um, who do you think is going to be the fifth starter? Do you think, are they going to try and get Luke Kennard into the starting lineup or are they going to stick with what worked and keep uh, Bruce Brown as a starter this season and then try Luke off the bench again? Or will they maybe even try something else entirely?
1: Yeah, I don't that's still the biggest mystery to me, why Luke, Reggie, and Blake, I don't care what the numbers say. Um, Luke is not at his best when he plays alongside those two. Um, obviously, Reggie and Blake are both ball-dominant guys. They both need the ball to be effective, and Luke, well, he's a great spot-up shooter, um, is at his best with the ball in his hand too, and he kind of gets left out of the fold when, when he's on the floor with those two. So um, – I think what we're gonna see is if Reggie Jackson is on the team when the season starts. I think Luke comes off the bench, um, and he continues his role as the 6 man go guy. Um, if Reggie Jackson is not on the team, I think Luke starts, and they try to feature him a little bit more. Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they try to find the, figure out the wrinkles, iron out the wrinkles in the in the off season and training camp to figure out why it is that those three, that Luke struggles with those three, not struggles, but he, he he's, you can't really maximize his abilities alongside the other two. Um, I think they're gonna really try to iron that out, whether that be put the ball in Luke's hands a little bit more when he's on the floor with them. I don't know, it's a good question. I really, nobody, I haven't had any discussions with anybody about that yet. Um, that to me is still one of the biggest mysteries about this team, because uh, Luke obviously could help them a lot in that starting unit. Uh, but again, you want him, you want to be able to maximize his abilities and I just remember I asked Blake about it at the end of the year, and he said he's, Luke's a young guy. He's figuring it out. Um, and that's something Blake said that's something he can help with. So I think they're going to – I wouldn't be surprised if they try it with Luke in the starting lineup now that they have a little bit more scoring off the bench um, with Derrick Rose, with Markeith Morris. Um, uh, they have some guys that can go get buckets in that second unit. So maybe they try to put Luke in the starting lineup. I don't know, but I can't say with 100% certainty either way. I do think, though, it's either going to be Bruce or Luke. I don't think somebody's going to come out of nowhere and start.
0: Okay, well, that was actually going to be my second question, is that um, because if he hadn't – generally what we've heard is that if he hadn't gotten hurt last year at the start of the season, there's a very good chance that Kyrie Thomas would have ended up playing a lot of the minutes Bruce ended up playing. And so, But you don't think that there's much of a chance that Kyrie, even when – and he obviously had a good summer league game, not that that means a whole lot, but – you know, he was the guy who they traded up to pick last summer and was a higher pick and such and was also seen as the more pro-ready guy, at least in the off season. But you don't really see, like, Kyrie Thomas ended up taking minutes from Bruce Brown this season?
1: Um, I wouldn't say that. I don't think that Kyrie starts. I think what people need to watch for with Kyrie, um, is if he starts dipping into Langston's minutes, if not giving the Pistons a reason to trade Langston. Um, Dwayne said today during the telecast during summer league as Kyrie was making it rain. Yeah, let's see what he does in October. Um, if Kyrie can shoot that way all summer and into camp um, with Langston Galloway having an expiring contract, I think that that opens up a, a big door for Kyrie to, to get into the rotation more regularly. Um, I don't think he starts because I, don't, I think Dwayne really trusts Bruce as the on-ball defender right now and Um, he's starting to build a little bit of reputation around the league. I remember Bruce was telling me a story, um, of the second time they played the Clippers and Lou Williams said to him, he's like, when he checked into the game, Lou Williams told Bruce, he's like, I was waiting for you because the first game Bruce kind of defended him well. Um, and then the second game, you guys know Lou went crazy in the second half and brought the Clippers back. But, um, he's starting to get a little bit of respect around the league. in terms of officiating, he'll garner a little bit more respect as, as he continues to make his name known as a as a, a, as a ferocious handball defender, and that'll help him. I, I do think Bruce has a secure spot in this rotation, but I do think Kyrie has a real good chance um, to take some minutes from Langston um, because he can defend, and is what we saw today in summer league is any inclination of what he's going to do in year two from the three-point line. Uh Yeah, Langston Langston is going to have to to really shoot the ball well uh, to not lose some of those minutes.
2: Okay.
0: And then I think sort of the last question sort of connected to that, and then we'll let you go, um, is so you obviously have talked quite a bit with Bruce this season. You did a sort of series of pieces where you sat down with him and watched film, which was a great series of pieces, by the way. Um, But so one of the things that was kind of a mystery with him is that on paper he obviously didn't contribute a whole lot last season and yet him in the starting lineup was the only starting lineup that worked and they tried a lot of different options and just none of the other ones worked and it didn't necessarily always make perfect sense so I'm just curious um especially for you who's talked to Bruce quite a bit what do you think it is exactly that he did with that starting lineup that just sort of caused it to you know click
1: well, first and foremost, and we talked about it a little bit, I mean, defense defensively, you make the case he was the best defender on the Pistons. I mean, the stats might not show it, but, I mean, for him to guard the best player every night and, and frustrate these guys and make them work says a lot about just his mentality as a player. And that's the one thing that the Pistons lineup really need, needed. Um, Reggie Jackson is not a great defender. Luke Kennard is not a great defender. Um Blake Griffin's not a great defender. Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock, a good defender. Reggie Bullock's a good defender. Wayne's so-so, but I mean, you guys know Andre Drummond gets a lot of flack for his defense, but if people look closely, the reason that they question his defense is because a lot of the guys around him get beat, um, and it makes it it's a two-on-one for him at the rim, and it makes him look bad. Bruce was the one guy that kind of you could rely on to at least stay in front of his man on most nights. So. Defensively, he brought something that the starting lineup didn't have, which is a, a, a very good on-ball defender. Um, and I think that's really what what it came down to. Uh, offensively, as you guys know, he didn't really contribute much. Um, but the Pistons really needed somebody that could that could disrupt other players' guards. And Bruce took that challenge on every night, um, for better or for worse. He, he he did a solid job in terms of frustrating um it might not it might not show in the stat sheet when James Harden still scores I think 31 or 34 points but he was 420 when Bruce guarded him and I think he still hit like seven 17 free throws the Pistons win that game like stuff like that is stuff that's not going to show up on the on your traditional stat sheet but if you watch the games you know Bruce's impact and I think that's where it kind of stops and starts defensively they needed that guy that could slow down other teams perimeter players um and it helps too when you have people like Blake Griffin, who can score on the other end. Um, it, it just makes it—it it, it, it was a better marriage, I think, in that starting unit putting putting uh, Bruce in there. Uh, you got to have balance. Not everybody on the five. Not you would hope that all five can can score and go get you a bucket. But in most cases, you need that one guy out there that you can trust defensively to stop the other team from scoring. Um, and Bruce was the closest thing that Detroit had to that.
0: OK, cool. Um, Ku, if you've got any last question you want to try and get him real quick, you can. Otherwise, I think he, we can probably let James go to his dinner.
2: Just, yes, I have a yes or no question. Is Sekou going to be in the rotation, in your opinion? Uh, if you had to take a guess right now, do you think he's going to be in the rotation opening night?
1: Yeah, I was hoping that he played today and I'd have a better answer for you. I need to see if the kid can play defense, because like, we, I mean, we've been talking about it for the last 10 minutes. Dwayne will play you if you can play defense. Um, and the, Dwayne, I know for a fact, Dwayne thinks he can play defense. Um, he's excited about, about his possibilities as a defender. Um, he said that the other day. And uh, if Saiku can play defense at a decent to good level right away, I think he'll be in the rotation. I mean, the Pistons need uh, length on the perimeter. They need size, and Seiku fits that bill. Uh, but if he's struggling defensively, uh, on top of his still-to-be-developed offensive game, the Pistons can't risk putting him in there. But if he can at least provide um, and be a nuisance and um, an altering player on the defensive end, I think he gets in the rotation. So I'm going to say yes. Blindly, I'll say yes. I need to see it. Maybe he'll play tomorrow. Um, and, again, it's just summer league, but I want to at least see that he uh, he knows what he's doing. Him and Bruce were goofing around playing one-on-one the other day, and Bruce struggled to score on him. Um, that dude is long and, uh, if he can bring that to, uh, the Pistons, once things get a little more serious, I think he'll be all right. All
2: right. That's, that's all I got to ask him. Okay, cool. All right, James, you can go. We'll probably keep talking for a little bit, but thank you very oh, much. Wait, for I have, actually, oh, wait, I have something to say to him. Okay, cool. Uh, One last thing. Actually, James, James, uh, I like to talk a bunch of trash about how I'm the best player in Pistons Twitter on the court. And I hear that you tried out for the G, the Pistons G League team, and yeah. that you can hoop yourself. We definitely need to hoop against each other, or at least with each other, at some point. Because I need to see this. Where do you where do
1: you live at, Coop? Are you in Michigan? Are you in uh, a yeah. Metro Detroit?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, what? Um, I live. I live Florida. in Clinton Township. Oh, Clinton Township. Okay. Um, you know what? I might put something together. I work out at the LA Fitness on Big Beaver in Troy. Um, yeah, I got you. So I mean, if somebody can, if somebody can beat me one on one. I might give him a free subscription to the Athletic. So I might set that up. But I'm a, i am I mean, yeah, I'm around. Just stay when.
2: Okay, hold I, up I got, a second. I, I hold you. up a second.
0: This motherfucker will not play me one on one. He's afraid of me.
2: And now you're out here trying to challenge James. James, James, I know you have to go, but let me just explain this to you, just real quick. Joe is about 250 pounds bigger than me. I, I'm not doing it, and he, and he's, and James, you know this if you're a hooper, you know this damn well. That if you're going to get someone who's like 300 pounds who doesn't really play basketball, it's like going against a football player. It's like you're playing football on the court. I just, I'm not doing it. I, I won't.
1: You're afraid to get hurt. I understand. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it, but you got to at least play them once. At least at least, just shut them up if you can. All right, I feel you. No, but I'm around, man. Just say when, and we can we can put it on the Internet if you want. If you want to record it, we can do it. Just let me know when, and I'll be available. I'm not, We don't live too far from each other. All right, I got you. We can definitely do that. Yep, just let me know when. All right. Okay. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys.
0: Yep, all right. Thanks for coming on, James.
1: Yeah, of course. Anytime, you guys. Thank you. Yep. All right, see you. Later.
2: You snake! You snake! You won't! Joe, you refuse to play Joe, me one on one. You guys need to under everyone You just refuse Joe is about, to play 200 me. Two hundred pounds bigger than me. I'm not doing it. I also like
0: a like someone doesn't really play basketball.
2: Shut up, bro. I play basketball almost as often as Joe, you do. Joe. At Joe. At least Joe regularly. uses his elbows. He literally runs straight at you. He's not one of them people who just who tries to run. No, he'll run literally directly at you, and if you don't... If you try to guard it, you'll just get... If there was a rep you could take a charge, but in the pickup, okay, you're just going to die. Here's the thing die, that's, you know, the thing that's funny
0: about that, okay, Koo? Is that <laughs> when I show up to play somewhere where people don't know me, so, like, last time I was over there, I was hoping we did the full court, and no one there had ever really played with me other than you and uh, the guy I rode over there with me he shouts to you, Brent. But, uh... And so then people assume, oh, he's just going to run me over. But, like, the guys I play with regularly... Because, so, I never, like, hit any sort of a growth spurt or anything. I've always just been pretty big, like, compared to everyone else. Like, I've grown at a consistent rate. I was big when I was a little kid. I have as big when I was in elementary school, middle school, whole way. And I've well learned that there's nothing that anybody hates more than the guy who's playing just, like, pickup sports and injuring people. So, I'm actually very cognizant of not just plowing into people. The thing is, like, when I'm playing with people who don't realize that, they just get out of the way anyways.
2: Girls <laughs> the same. But
0: I'm just saying, Koo, you won't even hoop with me, and now you're out here trying to challenge him. No, you I'll won't hoop even with
2: you what are you talking you about? Won't you. You, you won't play me one on one playing you one on one. You won't play me one on one. And now you're out no, here trying to challenge him. James is not gonna destroy me with an elbow or I'm uh, not gonna throw any arm. bows. <laughs> no, I'm not. When have I no. thrown
0: a bow? I've hooped with you several times. When have I thrown a ball?
2: Joe, Joe, I'll just say this: when we played against Dallas in Detroit, one of them kids went for a layup. You almost killed him. That <laughs> was a clean block, sir. So that was a clean block. I remember that. <laughs> it was a
0: clean block. Clean block, my ass. <laughs> it was. He was getting real butt hurt about it. He was just butt hurt because he kept driving in, and he'd like run into me. And clearly, he's because he's a pretty big, strong kid. And so clearly he's used to hooping, and when he drives, running into people, them sort of you know getting out the way. And I was like, I'm not gonna do that. And I just stood in, and it was really bothering him. Yeah. The fat Bottle has hole, power. We can hoop. The fat. The fat has power. <laughs> I'm
2: thickness. not playing on one-on-one. Everybody, it's not
0: happening. Okay. I Just assume that you would lose then. All right. Okay. So. We're still recording, so you want to talk about? I kind of want to talk about this Marquise Morris signing. Um, You should tell somebody in your background to stop playing music or something. (laughs) He just muted himself. I'm assuming he's going to go tell them to be quiet. But so uh, we got the Marcus Morris signing that happened um, since we last recorded, and so they signed for the biannual exception, which I believe is three point six million dollars a year. And it was also signed with a um, player option for next year. And there's a degree to which it sort of lines up with the Derrick Rose signing. And here's why. Because much like the Derrick Rose signing, there's a degree to which they're going with the upside. So it's for different reasons because for Derrick Rose, it's a matter of whether or not he stays healthy. If Derrick Rose stays healthy, then there's some pretty significant upside there. Whereas there's also the downside of what if he only plays like 20 games. For Markeith Morris, his last two seasons were really not—what I not, what am I saying? I totally messed that up. Two seasons ago, he played the previous two seasons. Not this last season. The previous two seasons with the Wizards, he was really good. He was a really rock-solid starting-caliber player. And then last season, combination of he was hurt, the Wizards were kind of a dysfunctional mess— then he, he went to the Thunder later in the season after he got bought out, and it, he just kind of didn't find a consistent role, uh, struggled to sort of gel with the roster. And so as a result, he had a pretty down year last season. And so that's a big reason why he's so much cheaper. If he had been, if, if he had, had um, another season this past season like he had the previous two, um, he'd be a guy who would be making a lot more money than what the Pistons paid him. And so there's a degree to which they're much like Derek Rose, they're betting on that upside that you know, with him being healthy and him having a full off season to sort of gel with the roster and a clearer cut role that he's going to be able to produce at a high level. And one of the things that I like about that is even though they're not necessarily making lots of crazy trades or anything like that, it does show that the front office is doing their best to. Uh, to try and set themselves up to be better, to try and, basically they're trying to raise their ceiling, right? Um, and so hypothetically, if Derrick Rose and Markeith Morris both are closer to their upside, um, both of those guys are starting caliber players. And so if we hope, because once again, we are going to, I'm going to, we're going to stay optimistic and hope that Luke Kennard is that, um, the Pistons could have six legitimate or seven legitimate starting caliber players in their rotation when the reality is last year they really only had four starting caliber players in their entire roster really and luke was sort of borderline whether or not he really was starting caliber um so you know really it almost be like three and a half guys who could really play last season and with the potential upside here they could go from that to now having seven so that really is a big upgrade. Koo, are you back if you want to say something about that?
2: I mean, I agree with you. I mean, like I said to James earlier, my big thing with the Marquise sign is the fact that if you told me heading into free agency before it happened that we were going to get Derrick Rose and Marquise Morris and Tim Fraser and it looks like we're still trying to get a backup center, all with the amount of cap space we have, we we'll have told you you were crazy i i think this is i think the pistons have done a great job with that so i especially i know everyone thinks i'm just a Derrick Rose fan i i love the more keith morse uh signing i probably love it just as much as i didn't see this signing coming anywhere i didn't even know we were interested in him. I, I didn't even see this coming and when it happened i was like whoa because like joe said he was injured last year he played through injury he 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 got traded and then, you know, you have to adapt to stuff. And then, you know, it's, it's a struggle, especially while you're injured, too. You have to adapt to all the new teams, new concepts, all that, while you're injured as well and still try to play well. I mean, it's hard. And we, we've seen him throughout the majority of his career be, like Joe said, a really solid starting player. So the fact that we were able to get him was especially because if you listen to our podcast, we're not very high on thought. So that was like a major thing, too, because it just solidified to me that, thank God. I, either either one if for sure he's taking Thon's spot and, pop for, and then at the very least we're going to see no Thon or we're going to see a little bit of Thon but now we're near as much as we did last year which was a major thing for me but then it wasn't like we just did it with some player who okay well we don't want Thon because he's too weak so we're just going to get someone else who can strong. No this guy this guy can legit play I think like I said he was injured last year was traded I don't think that was just a coincidence They struggled last year because of that I mean I, the larger this actually would favor the little crap Joe says to me the little oh well you know the larger sample size would say blah well, but the larger sample size would say that he's a he's a good player who is going to get back to himself so I would I'm I'm very happy with that signing I think that signing was actually I probably love that sign just as much as I like Derrick Rose coming to the Pistons okay
0: well so here I'll sort of tack onto this okay cuz I brought up the numbers right so once again, you're hoping that Marquise is able to return to the form he played in um, in his two full seasons with the Wizards. So this was not last year, the previous two seasons to that. So over those two years combined, he played 29 minutes per game, scored, 20, 20, scored 12.8 points per game, 1.8 assists, 6.1 rebounds, uh, nearly one steal, half a block per game. And he shot 46% from the field, 36.5% from three. So, I mean, then that's a good for a true shooting percentage of um, 55.1%. And remember that on top of that, he's a plus defender. He's not necessarily a great defender, but he's a pretty solid one. And so, if he can get back to be, and on top of all of that, he was a starter a starter in what was, for those two seasons, the Wizards had one of the better starting lineups in the NBA for those two seasons. Um, their bench was always the issue, that they had no one really to back up Bradley Beal and uh, John Wall. Uh, Center was kind of struggling by that point um, because Marching Gortat was getting old, that sort of thing. But So he really, I, I can't overstate it. I, okay, you could overstate it, I suppose, but... That guy really had two very, very good seasons there. And the stats don't necessarily really jump out, but those were really solid seasons. So if he can get back to that, uh, he really is going to be a knockout signing for them. And another thing is that... So I do agree with James that I doubt that they're planning on having him play a lot of minutes at the small forward spot. They're going to use him more as a big... But... um, I've seen a lot of people say bring up that on Basketball Reference it says that he's never played any minutes at small forward. Um, first off, is that Basketball Reference the way that they the system determines um, position is it just goes purely by height unless it's like manually changed elsewhere? So if there's any sort of a question about, it, it just goes by height. So it just puts guys at weird positions sometimes. So as for what it's worth. But also, when you consider that there wasn't really reason for him to play any small forward in his past two main stops, Um, so in Phoenix he was mostly coming off the bench and he was playing with his brother Marcus. Marcus is obviously much more of a small forward, and then in Washington he was mostly playing next to Otto Porter. So both of those guys are plenty capable as small forwards. There's no reason for him otherwise to play small forward, and even in both of those teams, and so in both of his major stops. He's been fairly interchangeable defensively. So while he is a big, right, I'm not suggesting that they should start him at small forward or play him major minutes at small forward, but I do think that you can certainly get away with playing him some minutes there. So, for instance, if you want to work out the rotation in such a way that he spends, you know, I don't know, like six minutes a night as the small forward next to Andre and Blake, I think you can get away with that. Um, it's not the most ideal situation. It'd be great if, you know, maybe Svee look or something like that could step up to the point that they wouldn't need that, but the Pistons' wing rotation is still not that strong. So that is a benefit to him. Even though he is not a small forward, he's a guy you can bump up to there, and you can get away with that
2: at least in small minutes, I think. Um, I, I don't know. I think I agree with James. I have, I'm not going to say I've lost all kinds of them, but I don't think he. I, I, I agree, I, he could probably squeeze some minutes in at small four, but I think we'll all say that he's he's better at power four, he should be at power four, and that's where he's going to probably be majority of the season. Yeah, and, and I agree with that.
0: One other thing that makes him a little bit intriguing to me is that the potential for him and Thon being together, and as you said earlier, neither of us are particularly fond of Thon Maker. But one place where Markeith Morris, much like his brother, really thrives is in the toughness category, okay? And even though Markeith is a little bit undersized to play center, he has got that sort of just toughness and strength that he can do a lot of the dirty work that Thon really struggles with. So there's an extent to which they may actually work out to be a nice combination defensively. Because Marquise can sort of do a lot of the inside tough guy stuff that Thon really struggles with, while Thon is, which would then free up Thon a little bit more to sort of be out and be disruptive in the passing lanes and get help side blocks and that kind of thing. I don't know for sure that it would work that well, um, mostly because Thon is just not very good. <laughs> but on paper at least, there is a decent chance that that ends up being a nice
2: fit with the bench. Nah, I'm close to being all the way out of Thon, so I don't even care.
0: Well, okay, once again, Thon might just not be able to play, okay? Like, let's just be honest about that. Thon Maker might just not be an NBA-caliber player. There's a chance that that's just the truth, in which case there's no matchup or combination or anything that's going to wor- make it work out. Just saying there's a hypothetical universe where that ends up being a nice combination. Another thing that I really like about Markeith Morris is that, like his brother... He's got a dec- he's got a pretty good isolation scoring game, which as we talked about extensively on our last podcast, which where we talked about Derrick Rose, this bench mob really really needs guys who can create for themselves. The Pistons in general have needed that, but the bench really is going to need that, and so the potential to have another guy who you can just toss the ball and have him create something out of nothing is really really nice, I think. Um, and then also he's going to pr- hopefully provide nice insurance for if Blake misses more games this season. Um, last season, if Blake had gotten hurt for an extended period of time, your options were early in the season, it was start Stanley Johnson and then late in the season, which ended up happening of course, start Thon Maker. That's not, neither of those were good options. Sorry, Ku, to say that about Stanley, but neither of those are good options. Now, if Markeve Morris bounces back, you could start Markeve Morris in games that Blake misses and feel pretty comfortable with that. Um, He can do some of the same – look, obviously he's nowhere near as good as Blake, but he can space the floor a bit. He can do some of the same shot creation sort of thing for himself, be a little bit of a safety valve. Obviously you're shifting the offense more towards Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond running pick and roll at that point. But it's not a total drop-off from – because that was one of the big issues with when Blake was hurt. It's not just that the Pistons didn't have Blake. They're going from having Blake Griffin, you know, who's incredible and does all of these important things for your team, to Thon Maker, who's terrible and does, like, what, one and a half things at an NBA level and everything else is utterly useless. And so, even though Markeith is obviously not going to perform at the same level as Blake Griffin, he's the sort of good and good in the right ways that you can plug him into the starting lineup if Blake is hurt. And you can probably – he'll be able to help hold the fort at the very least, I think.
2: No, yep, I agree. And once again, uh, the bar is low. Yeah. So he doesn't have to do much to pass it. Yeah, for sure. But I agree. If, if Blake were to miss games, like Joe said, this guy was a starter for a Washington team. These weren't just like bad Washington teams. These teams were making the playoffs – I believe one of the years was the year they lost to IT in Game Seven of the semifinals. These weren't just like bad teams; these were playoff, Eastern Conference Finals kind of aspiration kind of teams that he was starting for, and they were succeeding. So, if he if he can get back to that form, and Blake were to miss some games, I I feel very comfortable with him stepping in. Yeah, I mean,
0: he's just the only downside is that it would have been nice to maybe get that higher upside guy who was a true small forward. Um, but here's the thing that's important to remember with that point is that who going to be that guy who the Pistons could have gotten for the same price at a similar talent level, who was a true small forward instead of a big who you can maybe slide occasionally to small forward. Like, I don't know that there really is anybody who would fit that, you know? Um, it would have been great if the Pistons could have instead gotten another guy who is a small forward who's big enough to play the four. Uh, but it's a it's a high upside talent-wise, and I think that that's the right move for the Pistons to make. And as we've discussed plenty at this point, um, backup power forward and backup center were both big issues for the Pistons last year. And if nothing else, Markeith should do a good job of shoring up the hole at backup power forward um it'd be great if he's able to be versatile enough that he can do more than just that but at the very least he should be able to accomplish that which will be great
2: for the pistons this is, this is i just have one thing to say about Steinmaker. I, I i can't i have to say it Go talks about how the dude's terrible he has one and a half things at nba level this is my sole thing about Son. I don't believe that all of his struggles would be struggles if he simply just weighed a little bit more, if he's simply a little bit stronger. That dude legit, I could probably push him around. Joe made a tweet the other day that if you passed gas, he'd blow him across the court. It's just, it's, it's awful. I don't want him anywhere near my backup center position. All these people who think that it would be okay, I think it would be awful. I think it would be catastrophic. I think it would... It, I literally watched, we watched on for a half a season last year, and I saw him struggle to box out guards. And I know, I, I don't want to see it happen. If it happens, I'll be, unless Don comes back and he legit actually is stronger and looks looks bigger and, and indeed is bigger, i will change my mind. But if he if he's anywhere near what he was last year, weight-wise and strength-wise, if he's playing center, I'll just turn the TV off every time he comes in and checks in the center. So it is what it is. I mean, the problem is that he,
0: it may just be, okay, so before the before the summer started, we looked at the roster, and it was like, okay, so the Pistons for sure need to add another point guard, a wing, and a big, okay? The Pistons got the point guard and dish Rose. they traded, ending up, trading for a wing, and, uh in Tony Snell, and then they signed Markeef Morris as a big. And they drafted the Sycu. Yeah. There was always a good chance that one of those three holes was going to end up being filled by something that we didn't want to have to fill it. And there's a decent chance that backup center ends up being that, whether that is Thon slash Markeef or whether that's whoever they end up signing. I mean, there's a real chance that whoever they end up signing ends up being kind of a bum too, Right. So I'd rather have Todd Withers. Okay, my man Todd Withers, I'd rather have him than Thon, just outright. Todd Withers, okay, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but if you followed me on Twitter last season while covering the drive, that guy can play. So if you watched the Summer League game today, or by the time this comes out it'll be yesterday, or follow people on Twitter talking about it, I think he had, what, 16 points? And I think, didn't did he have 10 rebounds? He might have. But he really played a good game. That guy can hoop. Um, I'm not sure that he was. Look, I don't want to overstate it. He's playing summer league. I watched him in the G League a lot last year, but he just does all of the right things. He defends at a high level. He's a good shooter. Um, he's a really, a surprisingly good athlete too. He can jump. Um, that guy can play, it. and I don't think he's going to make the Pistons roster. But I would not be shocked if he makes an NBA roster this season. And if he doesn't, I really hope that the Pistons make him an affiliate player with uh, their G League team, so that they give him a um, training camp invite and stuff, and he spends preseason with them to make sure that he stays in their system. Because I really think that guy can play.
2: I, once again, I think anything's better than Thon. <laughs> I, actually, Joe, let me throw this question out to you: Do you think that Zaza would be a better better option than Thon at backup center? Yep. Uh
0: I don't know for sure. Um Dancers yes. Well, here's the, here really is the question and James brought this up too is does Thon manage to hit like 35 36% of his threes? That's really what it comes down to. Because if he now, does Joe, that Now Joe, no. you
2: and I both know damn well that Thon Maker is not shooting 35% from three. It's not happening. He might shoot 35% if he takes three threes and makes two and then gets injured for the rest of the year. Maybe that would happen. But for a full season, me and you both know damn well I have a better chance of jumping off the ceiling and flying than Don Maker does at shooting 36% from three.
0: If Thon can approach that level from three, then it does shift him enough towards being at least a competent placeholder. Um... I don't know. The thing is that Zaza clearly, because of his age, clearly wore down as the season went on. Um, early in the season, he was actually fairly competent. And then as the season went on, he just got worse and worse to the point that it was just painful to watch him. So, uh, given that, I mean, if we're looking to next year, it may well be that that last season was the last hurrah for Zaza he may just not have anything left in the tank at which point I'd rather have Thon than him just because I'd rather have a young guy who at least has something in the tank still um but as a base level Zaza is probably better uh but the only reason that I might take Thon is just because I'm not sure that Zaza's got anything left in the tank at all he might just be done
2: Well, since we're operating in La La Land and we're talking about Thon shooting 35% from three, I might as well go ahead and jump off my ceiling. Okay,
0: go for it. Go jump off the ceiling.
2: I'll record it too, man. If I start flying, then we'll see Maker hit 35% of his threes next year. Okay. And Joe is a witness. Joe is a witness. Joe, see, and this is what I don't like about Joe. Joe will say these things in our little group. He'll say this. He'll say this to me when we meet up in person. He'll text this with me. Me and him will talk on Twitter about it. We'll talk in text about it. But then when we get on this podcast. He doesn't show the same kind of emotion. Joe, you know damn well that me and you sat here and we watched OnMaker struggle to box out point guards, shooting guards. Okay. And we talk about him playing center. Joe, you know damn well this would be catastrophic. We we both know that this would be worse. This would be just as bad as the meteorite that hit Earth. This <laughs> this would be terrible.
0: Okay, Thonmaker is very bad. I do not think Thonmaker is good. I was merely suggesting that if he can manage to shoot like thirty four or thirty five percent from three, he can push himself towards from being like utterly terrible towards just being like mediocre. (laughs)
2: No, Joe, I don't... Yeah, Maybe See, this is the thing. See, this is what Joe's leaving out. Mediocre at power forward. Him shooting 34%, 35% from three at center will not help the fact that he can't box out a soul. That's he what you can't, got Marquise Morris for. What? Marquise Morris is doing that. So, uh, no, Joe, he can't box out anybody. So, wait, wait. So, hold on. So, you got Markeith on defense guarding the center and then Don guarding the power forward? Yeah. God help us. Oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to be the better option, Gu? <laughs> I told you. I told you. I'd rather sign Todd Withers.
0: Hey, I'd be a... i would be I would... If they actually signed Todd Withers, I think there's no chance, especially since they signed Mark, Markeith Morrison. Todd Withers is really a power forward. But if they signed Todd Withers to an NBA contract, do you have any idea how stoked I would be? I've been standing for that guy State for like a year. Uh, you know what? Honestly... I probably would too, because Sekou might be terrible, but at least Sekou has the potential still. Um, at this point, I've got very little hope for Thon to grow into anything beyond. Like I think, you know, and it's funny when the Pistons traded for Thon Maker. Um, we we're talking about his upside, and I said his upside is like Joel Anthony, who can hit some corner threes, and people gave me so much crap for that comparison. That comparison is generous. Okay, let's be honest. Joel Anthony was a pretty good defender at his peak. Thon Maker is not going to ever be that. Thon Maker is going to block some shots occasionally, and other than that, is going to be terrible.
2: I, I, and I'll say this: if anybody, anybody who listens to this podcast or follows my work, there was a point in time when I wrote an article talking about how well Thon was working for us, and I even the title of the article was. The Thon Maker trade has paid off for Detroit. Now imagine how far I had to fall fall on Thon Maker for me to get to the point where I am now. This is no. I'll, no, no, please. You please, must feel Jesus, pretty stupid no. at this point. <laughs> what? You must feel pretty stupid looking back on that. Nope, not stupid. Nope, I won't say stupid. I'll just say hey, no. I, I don't think anybody, I hope everybody understands how petrified I am of Thon Maker playing center. I'm ha- I, I don't even want him playing, I'm legit, I'm being so serious, I'd rather us truck out there or backup five, having. I'd rather have Svee or, or someone else at small forward and then just have uh, Sekou and Markeith at four and five and then have Don out there. Don, Don will have to earn 20 pounds of muscle or 20 pounds of fat, 20 pounds of muscle, 20 pounds of fat, 20 pounds of air, water, something. <laughs> I, I don't care what it is. He needs to put some kind of weight on to where he can box out someone my size. When he can do that, I'll be fine with him being out there. Like I said earlier, I Joe says he has one and a half skills that are NBA level. No. I don't think – I believe solely that his main problem and this problem would fix so many things for him if he simply ate a Big Mac every now and then. I don't know how it's so hard to put on a couple pounds. I don't get it. But he just simply cannot, and he literally can't box up my size. And until that changes, I don't want to see him out there.
0: Okay. Well, so – how about this for a bench mob then, Coop? You got Derrick Rose at point guard obviously. Luke Kennard doing the sixth man thing as your backup shooting guard. Svi Mikailuk as your small forward. Sekou as your power forward and Markieff as your center. How do you like that?
2: Yep, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. It's not the best situation. Obviously, it's not like it's not something I dream about. I promise you, I, I promise you with everything in me, I bet everything in this, in this room right here, every, the pillow over there, my, my Derrick Rose Cleveland jersey, the poster of Blake Griffin, the hats, everything, I'll bet everything in this room that that would work better than having Thonmaker at center.
0: Okay, so then let's pause that. Seco is not ready this season. So instead, you now have either Langston Galloway or Kyrie Thomas playing small forward. And Svee is now playing power forward. How do you feel about that now? No, hell
2: no. We got half Thon out there.
0: At that okay. point, point. <laughs> point, we have half Thon out there. It, it... So you do understand basically what you're saying, right? I'm putting my trust
2: in Sekou Dumboya. If, has, Sekou,
0: if Sekou Dumboya is not ready to play, Thon's going to have to play. He'll be ready to play. On the other hand, maybe they'll get a maybe they'll maybe they'll get a decent pickup at center. There's still a few pretty decent players available there.
2: No, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I read something today that said that the Pistons have like just over 400k so they would have to make a trade. They they would have to make a trade or do something with their roster to get enough to sign somebody because they don't have enough to even get a veteran right now. Well, I think that is wrong because I think
0: um Because I saw that too, but then James started saying this. Um, I think I saw, geez, I should probably double-check this, but I'm not going to bother to because I don't care that much. But (laughs) that's not good. Whatever. Um, I think that that was operating under the assumption that the Pistons would sign Svi Mikhailuk. Not Svi. um, That the Pistons would sign uh, Davidus Savitas. To a contract this season, which he's not going to, so I think that that opens up the money that they could have. Uh, also, as we've said before, I would not be at all shocked if uh, if uh, um what should we call it? What am I even? Oh, if they did manage to get off of Langs and Galloway's contract, I would not be
2: shocked if someone would take him. Now, Joe, I'll say this. If it was going to happen, I feel like it should have happened already. (laughs) Well, okay, once again, here's the thing, right?
0: Here's where Lanksy Galloway is going to possibly get traded, is we're going to get to the end of free agency, right? Almost all the dudes are off the board, and some team is going to look at their shooting guard rotation they are going to be like, we could use another dude who can shoot a little bit off our bench. And they're going to look, and they're like, well, we've got some cap space still. So, hey, we can... We could trade for Langsackalbu. We'll trade like a protected second round pick or something like that. So, and once again, there's a decent number of dudes still available. Um, who I wouldn't hate. Costa Kufis is available. Amir uh, Johnson is still available. Javale McGee still available, but I think we pretty much decided that's not happening. Uh, Joakim Noah is available. He might get a little bit more money. Um, Kem Birch is probably gonna stay in. Orlando, I would guess. Um, Greg Monroe is still available. Tyler Zeller is still available. And look, these are not great options, but they're all guys that I could live with. Um, Greg Monroe is honestly the one, like, ex-piston guy that I actually think would be a good idea to bring back. I'm pretty convinced that guy can still play. No, keep him away. I'm convinced that guy can still play. What do you have against Greg Monroe?
2: No. What? What's wrong with your Greg Monroe? No, boy. Why? He's terrible on defense, and the in the post game, that I once I once used to call him one of the best, had one of the best footwork in the NBA. I hadn't seen I haven't seen that for years. I see him fumbling in the post in the playoffs. I see him in, with the rap, uh, not the Raptors. Uh, what team was he with before the 76ers. I saw him fumbling around there. Uh, no, no, just no. I can't. Okay,
0: but so. He's just, trapped. Just bear with me a moment, okay? The last time, before the Bucks decided we want to go a totally different direction from this guy and go away from him, okay? So the last season that he was actually, like, he actually played, really, okay? Because he spent the last two seasons, he's played on in the last two seasons. One, two, three, four, five, six. He's changed teams six times in the last two seasons, um, he told us reason. He technically played for five teams because Bo- he played for Boston twice. But he switched teams six times, okay? The last season that he actually played was three seasons ago, 2016-2017, okay? That season, he scored... A, he only played 22.5 minutes per game in 81 games, all right? Per 36 minutes... 18.8 points per game, 10.5 rebounds per game. True shooting percentage of 57.2%. That's pretty good. He's not good. That's that's pretty good for your backup center. He's playing 15 minutes Joe, a night. He's not good. And he's not that bad a defender, Koo. Joe, yes he is, dude. Not that bad. He's not good, but he's not that bad. Joe, keep him away. I oh, don't know, man. I think Greg Monroe can still play. I'm pretty convinced of that. I would take him on a minimum contract. And that's all I'm, That's am Why I'm don't we say. go ahead and sign Tony Mitchell, too, then? What? No, not Tony. I don't think Tony Mitchell could play. The last, the Bucks decided to go a different direction because they are like, we've got Giannis. We need to have everything focused around Giannis, which isn't a bad idea. And he got traded initially to Phoenix as part of the Eric Bledsoe trade. Phoenix is terrible and not trying to win, so they bought him out and then he went to Boston at the end of that season. Then last season he signs with Toronto and he just bounces around. Okay? I think if you signed him to a contract and you made him your every night backup, I think he'd be good.
2: Joe, did you see him in the playoffs?
0: Yeah, I don't care about that though. He's playing fifteen minutes a night. In the playoffs, Andre Drummond so can play like, almost forty eight like minutes a game. Crash. In the playoffs, Andre Drummond can play like forty-four minutes a game, and you could just have Blake swap over to the to center for the other four.
2: I'm not worried about the he playoffs. The why this been hopping around team to team?
0: He's trash. Then why do good teams keep signing him? Why do, why do why does he keep getting released from said good teams? Okay. he's he was with Toronto, Boston, and Philly this past season. He was with how many teams in one season? Three, three each of the last two seasons. Okay, but he keeps bouncing around he's good bad. teams,
2: so clearly someone thinks he's okay still. No, that's not no Joe. That's not what you take away from that kind of thing. You don't take away well. Teams keep picking him up when he gets released. That's a good thing. No, it's a, that's not how it works.
0: Greg Monroe can play. I'm Joe, gonna that, stand by though. that.
2: Joe, no, that was why the worst. I want Greg Monroe back
0: in a Pistons jersey. go he's trash. I will stay. No, he's not he's you know, not he's trash. trash
2: my man can play if the Pistons sign Greg Monroe we might as well you know what, like, you know what? if we sign Greg Monroe let's go ahead and bring the whole band back together then go ahead and get Singler get Knight get, all, get Payne Siva you know, you know what Oh, hold on, hold on this is a good one you wanna know who I'd rather have than Greg Monroe who Josh Harrelson <laughs> you're gonna go ahead and talk about old Pistons so go ahead go ahead and sign him go ahead and sign Josh Harrelson <laughs> You You know, you
0: brought up Kyle Singler. Can I just say that?
2: No, 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 no,
0: no, no. Nothing about bringing him back. He's out of the league all the way. But the fact that after the Pistons traded him, that he just, like, completely forgot how to play basketball, that's one of the most bizarre things that I've ever seen happen because he he was having a really good season for the Pistons before they traded him like really a pretty good season and then they traded him and he just became terrible it was bizarre no. No, I just wanted to put that out there that's always been one of the most bizarre things that I've seen happen that a guy just like got completely terrible just in the in his 20s it's not like he was old so like a bit older. Before he went to OKC, and then in his first season with OKC, he shot 37.8% from three. And then after that, he shot, so in his last three seasons in the NBA, he shot 28.1% from three. That's wild to me. Like, the dude just completely forgot how to play basketball. Yep, stuff happens. He went from like, oh, this guy's a pretty nice end-of-rotation guy. Right? Like, I would have been... If you could give me Pistons version Kyle Singler, like his... Yeah, I mean, honestly, because he didn't even start playing until he was 24 because they stashed him in Spain. If you gave me... If you said, okay, you could have Pistons version Kyle Singler on this year's Pistons team, I'd be like, yeah, I'd take that guy. He could play the small forward or power forward. He can shoot. Not a terribly good defender, but I'd be okay with him playing 15 minutes a night. Right? But, like... Sure. And then he, but he went from like, yeah, that's a nice rotation piece to just terrible. Joe, you want you want to get Tony Mitchell back too, man? No, I don't want to get Tony Mitchell back. Might be kind of fun Might though, he could sure. dunk. That dude could dunk like crazy. That year it was either. a dunk fest in Grand Rapids. Yep, he's a demon. Like you
2: don't realize how much of a dunk fest this, that was. No, he used to be my favorite. He used to be one of my favorite players. I used to watch all his highlights He wasn't
0: The problem is that he was never You know Actually good Like at all Joe come on man It's just the truth He really was just not good He
2: was the same thing Don
0: Maker is Nah (laughs) Put some respect On Tony Mitchell's name He doesn't deserve
2: that Tony Mitchell could come in the game, was, was one of the most athletic freaks I've ever seen. Actually, he might be the most freakish one I, I have seen. And then, and then he was, he'd was get a couple chase down blocks, swap people out the gym, but then couldn't do nothing else. Sounds like maker, except the athletic part. Well, like,
0: here's the thing, okay? So that one season in Grand Rapids, he only played six games in Grand Rapids, and he only scored, like, eight points a game. Like, he wasn't even that good for in the G League. He just had these yeah. incredible dunks occasionally. it was that, was that guy was bizarre. This podcast has really gone
2: off the rails. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Well, uh, I hope everybody enjoys, enjoyed watching uh, Zion and R.G. Barrett. I suppose we could just stay
0: off the rails. I mean, you know, draw people in with the respectability of James Edwards, and then, and then we've got them. They're here for everything now. They're here for the bullshit. Yeah, I mean, no matter I mean, I'm just watching.
2: Our, I'm just watching uh, Zion dunk fest right now. Why would you watch Zion? Because Zion has now, I believe he's down, now dunked like four straight times. That guy's not even good. He's gonna be a bust. Hi. Right, okay. Thank. Thank God Joe said. <laughs> okay. So thank God his little trolling doesn't happen in the group. He, you guys heard him here. So now when it, when he is in a bust, you guys can trace this back. Nah, that's a lie. I actually think he's because he can pass. I was. I've always.
0: I. I was impressed by his ability to pass, which bodes well for his future because it shows that you know he's not just a freak athlete. Um, he does have work to do, obviously, but he's he's a good basketball player. He's not just an athlete, uh, which bodes really well for him. I'm interested to see how he fits in defensively in the NBA.
2: You don't think he's going to be good defensively? No,
0: I think that he probably will be. But it's a probably because he is a little bit of a tweener,
2: um, so I'll just. Well, this man be is interested. a freak. General, you're trolling that. right now. This man's a monster. Joe, why you Why you trolling? Why are you trolling? All, this is
0: a demon. All I said was I'm interested to see how good he is on defense.
2: Joe, that man is strong enough to handle centers.
0: Do you think that he could, could guard dude, Thon Maker like though? Could he guard Thon Maker though?
2: Chill, chill out, dude.
0: Bro, if Maker was guarding Zion, Zion would, like, flex. he just flex his booty, his glutes, oh, and no, Tom if would if go be into flying into the first row of bleachers.
2: If, phew, if you're watching the game right now, Th- uh, Zion just completely just, like, bullied the hell out of Kevin Knox. Just, like, Kevin Knox had the ball in his hand after everybody. He came up to him, just ripped it straight out of his hand and dunked. Like, it was just a bully fest. If it was Thon, oof.
0: Well, Kevin Knox is not good. Chill on Kevin Knox. He legitimately, he just had, like, one of the worst rookie seasons in the history of basketball. So did Peyton Manning, except for football. Yeah, except Peyton Manning was way better than Kevin Knox.
2: Well, Kevin Knox, is I think he just hit his fourth 3 and it's only the first quarter, so.
0: Didn't Svi Mikhailik hit, like, four threes?
2: So now you're going to start
0: trolling three. Didn't didn't Todd Withers hit like four threes? Congratulations, Nick. Joe, You the one Nick's. on the podcast? Like your, Todd Withers should your, be on the NBA roster. Your future is Todd Withers. That's your future building block, right there. Todd All right, Withers. Joe, you know what? You'd be better uh, off signing look. Todd Withers.
2: We're putting timestamps on these. <laughs> I got be it. Because let <laughs> Kevin Knox be a good player. me, isn't it? Let Kevin Knox be a good player. No,
0: I mean, he might be. He's got some tools, but he just – he had a really bad rookie season. I mean, another guy, um, Gary Harris had a terrible rookie season, and he bounced back in a big way, and he's a good player now. So there's certainly hope for him. Just he really had a bad rookie season. That's all I'm saying.
2: People have probably turned this podcast off already.
0: I'm sure that most people have, but you know what? That's okay. I would have recommended just... When I when we tweet this out, I'm going to be like, listen to the first half hour with James, and then I'd probably just shut it off.
2: Anything else you want to talk about, crew? Life, liberty? Nope. I mean, there's nothing else I have to say. Nothing else you oh, have to say? No, actually, no, I have a question. What do you think? Because Eli's the one who asked this question on Twitter, and now everyone's freaking out. Would, would you take Dwight on the vet men? No. All right. Look. Okay. The guys, first
0: off, he's not very good anymore. Second off, he can't stay healthy anymore. So that's a that's is he a, big a better name.
2: player than Joe Kim Noah. And third off, he's cancer. Come on, Joe, you can't just call a person man. you can't just call a person cancer.
0: I just did. Here, look, I'll do it again. Dwight Howard is cancer. So you think that he's just not going to make it to an NBA team now? He, somebody might sign him. I just hope it's not the Pistons and I feel sorry for whoever. Okay, if there's somebody who doesn't have a really well-established starting center like Andre and they want to just take a long shot on the upside that maybe Dwight will have a, you know, an epiphany from the fact that the last two seasons have been trash. He's like, I might be out the league, and he really goes at it next season, and he can like be at least a fairly competent starting center. Maybe then I'd do that if I'm desperate for that sort of a thing. The Pistons are not desperate for that sort of a thing. So that's a big negative.
2: I'll tell you this much. If, if, if we end up not signing a center and rocking with Thon, I'll, I'll come back to this pod. I would rather have Thon okay go ahead and go ahead and go ahead and end
0: the podcast now I would rather have Thonmaker maker than Dwight Howard and it's my podcast I'll end it whenever I please sir okay well I'm going I'm gonna go ahead and
2: exit now, because that right there is insane so I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and, I'll okay. go ahead and
0: leave well I'll just start talking about my true thoughts on Derek Rose after you leave and that's fair we'll see how you feel about leaving <laughs> no okay um so we'll wrap it up there then uh, we got a little off the rails at the end but uh, thanks a- a bunch to James Edwards for coming on earlier uh, and then yeah uh, we will have another couple of special guests next week we're hoping to continue to keep guests lined up at least through the rest of the off season because obviously particularly in the coming couple of months um, things can get a little bit dull so we're hoping to try and keep some interesting guests coming on so it's not just me and Koo rehashing and rehashing the same boring crap over and over again for the rest of the summer uh, so look forward to that and stay oh, beautiful. Closer, every- Joe, oh, hold on, hold on, yeah, Joe, hold yeah, on.
2: Okay. Just uh, a real quick prediction before uh, – well, people when people hear this, uh, they'll know if your prediction was right or not. But uh, Do you think that Seiku plays tomorrow? Um, <sighs> they said he was day-to-day. It didn't look like it was too serious. He
0: was playing around in warm-ups. Yeah, it's hard to say just because of the fact that it's summer league if they're at all concerned about it, they just won't play him, right? Like, if this were, like, actual NBA games, I'd say, yeah, he's going to play. But just because of the fact that it's Summer League, and so if they're at all worried about it, they'll just hold him out, I guess I'll guess yes, but not confidently, just because if it's even a little bit in doubt, they'll just hold him out.
2: Well, since you're saying that, let me just say this real quick. You know Jared Allen is in the Summer League? Yeah, what the heck is he he doing in the Summer League? What?
0: What the heck is he doing in the Summer League?
2: No, no, no. No, that's not even the worst part. The fact that he's in the Summer League is insane. But then also, he was hurt coming into this game today, and he was questionable, and he still played. So not only is this man in the Summer League, he was hurt entering the first game, and they cleared him to play. He's a third-year guy, isn't he? He's played two full seasons, hasn't he? I don't know. All I know is it's insane that he's here. I'm pretty sure he's played It was like Andrew Drummond in the the summer league his second year.
0: Yeah, Jared Allen has played two seasons. He's going to be a third-year player. What the heck is he doing there? Yeah, I I, – This would be like if the Pistons put Luke Kennard out there. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's insane. That would have actually been pretty fun. We never actually got to see – we didn't get to see Luke Kennard last summer. They should have just done it just so we could have seen it. I wanted to see it so no. badly last summer, and they didn't do it. Because last time he got hurt, keep
2: him away. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I'd guess he's not. I would guess he's going to, but just because of the nature of summer league, he might not, I don't know.
2: All right, dude. Oh, also, I keep forgetting things. Did you see what Dwayne Casey said about him in the interview today? No. He said that they asked him if he thinks he's going to play. He pretty much said yes. Not tomorrow, but, like, out the gate, rotation. Well, just like James
0: said, and we've said plenty, if Dwayne Casey thinks you can play defense, he's going to play you. And it's pretty clear that they think Seiko can play defense. So if he plays defense, Dwayne Casey's going to play him. Uh, If last season, if Bruce Brown did not prove that unequivocally to everybody, that if Dwayne Casey believes in your defense, he will play you no matter what, That should be pretty clearly reinforced from that. So yeah, I mean, if he plays defense, he'll play. I've got no doubt about that.
2: Uh, The real question is whether or
0: not that's actually justified to play him or not, right? Because Dwayne Casey might just be like, oh yeah, he can play defense, so I'm gonna play him. When in reality, he might not actually be ready for it. But that'll only that we'll just have to see on that. Only time will tell. Is there
2: really anything wrong with uh, experience?
0: Well, it can be when it makes your team worse. I'm talking about the him. I mean, no. I I don't think, because it's not like he'd be put in a position to learn bad habits. So, like, there are some instances where, um, you know, guys who you hope are, you know, like if they handle the ball too much as young guys, they start to learn bad habits, and then by the time they get on a good team, they've got all these bad habits, Right. Um, that's not saying that you're really worried about with Seko. but so no experience wouldn't do him any bad, but it might do the team bad because if Marquise Morris is healthy, he'd be playing minutes at small forward, and what if you I you know what if Kyrie Thomas plays well and Luke Kennard is coming off the bench, and then you want to play Luke Kennard and Kyrie Thomas as your shooting guard and small forward off the bench or Svi, so I don't know. I suppose. If Dwayne Casey believes in his defense, he's going to play. I will say that.
2: Well, Dwayne Casey pretty much confirmed in this interview that he's playing.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah. If Dwayne Casey thinks he can play defense, he's going to play. We just have to hope that it's well justified from Dwayne Casey. All
2: right. Hopefully we got our first look at him tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully.
0: All right, so that is going to be the end then. Stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.